Andre Segovia Show. Welcome to the Andre Segovia Show, everyone. I am your host, Andre Segovia. Hope everyone had a great weekend because this is going to be quite an interesting week, especially for those of you living in Los Angeles, which I'm going to get to here in a moment because tomorrow there's a special ballot election in the Los Angeles district that you're going to want to know about if you haven't heard about it already in my previous episode. So before diving into that, this is obviously the beginning of the month, so it's also uh, another news roundup. Um, I originally was intending to split off the news roundup to address a very important matter, but I realized a lot of the news articles I still got a reference are kind of all tie into this. So um, I don't want to mess up this month's show schedule because I'll tell you what this month's shaping up to be um, in the later on in this episode. But uh, the, the news in real estate for the month of May, I got to tell you, it was a doozy. There were headlines of all kinds all over the place from the ridiculous and the absurd to the ludicrous and scary. It's just literally all over the place and everywhere in between. Um, and I highlighted some of the articles that uh, address each of those areas. Um, and I purposely left out anything regarding rent control. And I'll tell you why uh, later in the episode. But before I monologue on and on and on, I hope you got to enjoy the previous episodes for the month of May where I had a bunch of guests on the program and to talk about different areas, whether it was real estate, real estate related or health wise, because it's all important for all of us, because my motto is work smarter, not harder. And if you're not checking out my YouTube channel, I recommend that you do, because I do a lot of segments on working smarter, not harder there on how you can uh, become more efficient with the tools you have in technology to get your job done and also how to better time manage and plan out your lives here on now. That's kind of how it all comes together with real estate technology, real estate as a financial plan technology to get things done. So it all comes together and I hope you're supporting me on YouTube and the Instagram because that gives you behind the scenes about what I do for a living to show you that, hey, this guy's human. So yeah, anyway, let's dive into the news in the month of May. Now, Keep in mind, these are not all the articles of real estate because, my goodness, there's just so many different articles. And a a lot of this is going to be more LA-based this time uh, because uh, there's a lot that I want to get out from there. Because some of the things that are going to happen here in LA will have national repercussions, okay? So a lot of people are looking over here, especially since California is the most populous state of the of the union. And we also have uh, two of the largest cities in the United States, that being San Francisco and Los Angeles. Los Angeles, I believe, is second or third largest city in the nation. And what happens in housing here, it definitely does have repercussions everywhere else because New York has a similar model to Los Angeles, but Los Angeles has a more varied real estate market than New York. That happened to be because the competing cultures in New York, uh, an older, more established city it grew up because literally buildings everywhere manhattan island look at that so that's them whereas los angeles grew sideways because we have a lot more real estate that was able to be expanded upon here and we're trying to introduce eastern models like mass transit over here in a city that's literally spread out over miles wide we can be our own uh, country for that matter you know it's just so how do we connect such a wide city 
uh, and bring it together and alleviate the traffic and address the housing crisis. So it's a lot more complicated than dealing with, say, a more clustered, dense population that, that is uh, New York. So um, let's get into the articles of Los Angeles because some of these are, are pretty funny and some of them are just cringeworthy and downright scary. So let's start with this one from the LA Times because it was interesting. The title is this. How a hijacked listing for one of LA's most expensive homes led to a $60 million lawsuit. Um, it's hard to overstate the opulence showcasing developer Bruce Makowski's $150 million spec home. Perched above Bel Air, the four story mansion offers a, a world of pure imagination within its walls. So earlier this year, Zillow falsely showed that the mega mansion sold for tens of millions of dollars less than its asking price. Makowski sued for $60 million in damages, citing permanent harm to the property's perception. On April 19, Zillow filed to dismiss the suit, chiefly citing a section of the Communications Decency Act that protects web operations from being responsible for information published by its users. And the hearing is set for June 24th. This is going to be very interesting. Some guy suing said, oh, $60 million in damages. Why? Because Zillow said that it sold for $60 million less. So? It's just a statement. But to this guy, he's really offended by that. He's spending $150 million for that. But anyway, people can sue for almost anything nowadays, huh? All right, next article over. This is also from the LA Times. California's population growth is the slowest in recorded history. California's 2018 population growth was the slowest in state history, new demographic data show, underscoring shifting immigration patterns, declining birth rates, and economic strains that are making it harder for some to afford living here. The state added 186,807 residents last year, bringing the estimate total population to 39,927,315 as of January 1st, according to estimates released by the State Department of Finance on Wednesday. The overall growth rate slipped 0.47% last year from 0.78% in 2017, the slowest since data collection started in 1900. Department spokesman H.D. Palmer said. This is interesting because we do have an uh, um, uh, immigration issue here where uh, people are leaving the state because of high taxes, um, high cost of living here, uh, and only the rich do come back. But most people are leaving out for greener pastures or more affordable pastures for that matter, yeah, like uh, Arizona and Texas where it, it's more business friendly in that respect and considerably cheaper than uh, living here. So this is uh, unfortunate because it also adds to the strain of our housing crisis because if you can't afford to live here, um, then my goodness, what, what can we do to address it? And that's a continuous theme that we're trying to address here on the show. And hopefully uh, some of those in the state legislature actually have smart solutions, not stupid solutions to be able to address this because this actually feeds into this next article from the Buffalo News that I actually really like the title of this. The new normal, they say, fewer homes for sale, bidding wars, higher prices. That's that's right there on the head that title says it all because here in california our issue is that we're not building enough what andres there's infrastructure going up everywhere have you seen what's going on in la yeah and have you seen all the housing they're building yes apartments and some of them for a lower economic housing subsidized housing of sorts it's not something that affects home prices it's something that may affect rental rates but it's not addressing the home affordability issue. See, the thing is, while houses remain expensive, people are going to be rushing out to rent. 
And while they're rushing out to rent, if there's not many things for them to rent, it's going to be pushing the price up. Well, you know, but they're building so many lofts and apartments and such. Yeah, luxury condos, luxury apartments, lofts that are much more expensive and some can't afford it. So uh, they can't live there. Where would they end up moving? They're going to go somewhere else or they're going to try to sign up for subsidized housing, you know, if they qualify. So the thing is that the thing that affects home prices are home sales. And if there are too few homes being sold and too many people buying, the principles of economics are simple. The higher demand and lower the supply, the more expensive the product. If there was more supply over, over superseding the demand, we would have lower pricing. That's why fewer homes for sale, bidding wars, higher prices. This is one of those rare instances where I don't even have to read the article to tell you anything else about what's being said on the headline. The headline says it right there. Remember, all these articles that I'm referencing are going to be linked to the show notes at www.beyonddressingover.com. So you can check these articles for yourself there. And I recommend that you check this one out. Um, it's, a, it's, it's, in, it's a great title. It's not even, uh, as far as I know, this is not a newspaper that's covering things here in uh, California. But it's indicative of, this, of the pearls of affordable housing. How do we address it? And the only way is to make more housing available in the forms of being able to purchase not government subsidized stuff or rentals that is not the solution it doesn't affect home prices next article up new york times redfin aims to bring e-commerce to home buying now some of you guys might like the sound of this check this out redfin the seattle-based real estate brokerage is starting a program that lets home hunters bid on properties directly through its website the move aims to bring online shopping to a business dominated by attending weekend open houses and driving around with agents the company recently tested the program in boston and now plans to extend it in stages across the country it is the latest sign that technology companies are encroaching on a decidedly low-tech world of real estate sales now I take issue with that because me being in real estate I could tell you we are on the cutting edge of technology the issue is this though when you have more senior agents working in the field that do not want to adapt to the times that's an issue and that's not entire. I, I can't blame it all on the agents, okay? And then, you know what? This might actually make for an interesting episode all on its own. So I'm not going to go deep into this, but I will just uh, mention this. When the ones with the money are those that are older, that do not rely on technology to get things done because they prefer the old-fashioned way, the agents that are making the money do not need to adapt to the millennial generation. The millennial generation is through studies show are not interested in buying so why does real estate need to cater to them all in all real estate is still on the cutting edge of technology with everything that's available to them it's just adoptability that's the issue and what this is trying to introduce is removing a segment of real estate business because there's two ends to a transaction the buying and the selling and if you remove one segment of that, that literally only leaves a seller. But wait a minute. Not if it's all going through one so-called agent. That's a monopolistic thing if it's all going through, say, an online-based system. Because how is this going to work out if it's just Redfin, a single real estate brokerage? Imagine everything moves online and, and Redfin is the only one. And it's not going to be the only one because here's a teaser that I know about. And some agents are barely finding out about this and they're freaking out. I've been warning about Zillow for a long time. But Zillow's not the only one in the game. Amazon is in the game. 
And if I'm not mistaken, these guys are after Redfin. I believe they just acquired them. So if Amazon is trying to get into the real estate side of things, yeah, we all have fun trying to save money buying stuff on Amazon and enjoying Amazon Prime. Imagine that being the case for real estate. Real estate colleagues of mine, are you listening to this? You are going to get replaced by a robot too at some point. So what are you bringing to add value to that, uh, to your profession? We got we to gotta stand up and make our profession a valid one, not just some passive income that people are, oh, yeah, I'm making commission here because, you know, people need to buy a house, so I just put them in the right direction and I get, I get paid for it. That is not our profession. It's never been like that, but the perception is that it is like that, that we're lazy people and we, we're doing something that anybody else can do. That is not true. There's not true in the least, in the slightest, and it's so hard for us to get our licenses and it's so difficult to keep our licenses clean from all these stupid lawsuits and that's why we have to carry Arizona Missions Insurance for all of ourselves. You know, There's always something after us. There's always some kind of lawsuit, this and that, but our agents are not doing enough uh, or to care about said things because, oh yeah, the broker will take care of it. You know, Stop giving a professional a bad name. If you're a bad apple, get out. There's those of us that are trying to make an earnest living in real estate. Okay, that's my rant on that. And I'm going to make an entire episode about technology and real estate and how it goes hand in hand um, to address this thing that the New York Times was uh, bringing up. Okay, next article. 13% of adults are planned to purchase a home in the next 12 months. At the first quarter of 2019, 30% of adults reported plans to purchase a home within a year. This is just slightly below where the share stood a year earlier at 17%. This is from the NAHB, Eye on Housing, the National Association of Home Builders. They do disclosures, uh, discussions of economics and housing policy. So they have graphs and everything that I cannot obviously interpret through audio, which I recommend you see. So again, these articles are linked on the show notes uh, for this episode, available at www.andressegovia.com. Okay, expanded minorities in the U.S. say they are spending more. This is from a Gallup poll. Takeaways from this article, percentage spending more in recent months, now 34%, up from 30% in 2018. Still, only 13% say higher spending is their new normal. Majority preferences are saving. Majority preference for saving over spending holds near 60%. Americans are now more likely, Americans are more likely now than at any time in the past decade to report spending more money than usual in recent months. While the majority continue to say they are spending the same amount, 34% or less, than usual, 32%, the 34% spending more is up from 30% a year ago and from 17% at the metric's lowest ebbs in 2009-2010. Um, this is to say that people are spending more now than they did last year and the year before that. Now, that could be for many different reasons, and I recommend you check out this article about what affects, because you might relate to this. Are you spending more this year than you are last year? I know I am, because uh, my next uh, kid is going to start school, and I'm sending it to private school, so the expense is only getting more expensive. And I'm going to acquire a new vehicle this year, so again, more expensive. So. You know, there's a lot of things that affect this. Is that the norm? In my case, yes, because it's called uh, growing up. <laughs> so that's this article. Now let's get to the really cringe-inducing article before I get to the big meat of this uh, episode. This is um, from the San Francisco Weekly, SF Weekly. Will California's renters be able to go on strike? Dramatic pause. A budding state bill would have allowed tenants 
to withhold rent from landlords union style until the real estate lobby killed the provision. Could it be the next big fight for California renters? Yes, because, well, I've been talking about this as well. Uh, this kind of ties into the whole rent control thing. But in the case of Los Angeles, there is such thing as tenant advocacy groups or tenants unions. They have access to attorneys. I'm not going to give you more information on that just because someone might try to take that information and use it uh, maliciously. So what I'm getting at is they have access to all these different tools and traits so they will not pay rent. Look, everything is pitted against the landlord here in the state of California. Prop 10 last year almost removed the last remaining bill that protects um, homeowners, uh, the, the Costa Hawkins uh, um, uh, act and if that thing is defeated because that thing is continuously under assault every single year and another election cycle is coming up then we are we are facing something like this that where the if cities and states can can do something this egregious where tenants forced to get into a union can withhold rent from the from the landlord uh through some protection even though they're in violation of their lease some some law will protect them from saying that they're not in violation of their lease. They're actually calling out uh, unfairness here. It's like it's ridiculous because that means the the state, the or the law of the the state is in their favor and not against us. So then, what the heck is the meaning of a lease? You know, it's a lot of crazy things that are happening here in California. And um, what what more can I say about this? It's just uh, it, it it's crazy. But um, this is an article that really made me cringe, and it's coming. And when they can't take when they when they can't convince in this case the state uh, or the the localities, they cannot uh, help the tenants um, not pay you rent. They just find different ways to punish you in terms of fines and fees, which leads me to the big one. Let's talk about Measure E. For those of you living in Los Angeles, the vote is tomorrow. And what do you know about Measure EE? Probably nothing. Maybe you've seen a sign that says no on Measure EE or yes on Measure EE or you know a teacher that says go and vote for Measure EE. What is Measure EE? All right. Measure EE is a parcel tax that would tax any livable square footage in the Los Angeles Unified School District region. Now, what is that? It's it's not a single city, per se. Well, Los Angeles as a city is pretty big. But within Los Angeles, we have different sections of LA. And the Los Angeles Unified School District covers a lot of those regions. And so long as that district has reached within those areas of Los Angeles, anything in that region will be subject to a parcel tax. The parcel tax is in reference to the livable structure, whether it's a single-family home or um, multi-residential living or commercial real estate. It doesn't matter. It's going to get taxed. And it's taxed per square foot of livable space, not the parcel in which it's sitting on. So, for example, if something's sitting on a 5,000-square-foot lot, that's not going to matter because if there's a 10,000-square-foot building on it, that's what they're taxing. So... If for those of you that own a single-family home, and you're just a single-family homeowner, and you don't have any kids, it doesn't matter. You're going to pay a tax just the same. 
But I don't live in Los Angeles. Yeah, but do you do business in LA? Do you have rentals in Los Angeles? Yes, all of those things will be rented. You will get punished. So this isn't just for those in Los Angeles. This is for anyone that lives in LA and conducts business in Los Angeles. This is in regards to a school bond. Because the school, the Los Angeles Unified School District needs the money. They're always saying they need money. Let me just tell you what this campaign is about. Okay, why did the Los Angeles Unified School District uh, Board place Measure EE on a special June 4th ballot? The board's decision to tax all homeowners, renters, and businesses is in direct response to the promises made by the district to meet union demands to end the strike earlier this year, despite numerous warnings from fiscal auditors that the district could not afford to fund the union's demands. The district projects a more than $400 million annual shortfall due in large measure to skyrocketing healthcare costs and exploding, exploding pension debt. This is from the frequently asked questions on the vote no on Measure EE um, campaign. And I'm going to be speaking to the facts here because they these are the facts. And here's what angers me about this whole thing. Because union money is supporting, well, because the teachers union, they have a huge war chest when it comes to like a political campaigning. Every single uh, election cycle, we're always giving money to the, um, to the school districts. And apparently, it's not enough and they're demanding more. And that's what's frustrating. So we're going to go through the facts of Measure EE so you'll understand why it's a no-no. But here's the article from the Daily News to tell you about what this whole measure is all about. Because the Los Angeles Unified School District is looking for what is called a lifeline in Measure EE. Pension and healthcare costs will gobble up more than half of the district's budget by 2031. Los Angeles Unified estimates more than half of the general fund will be needed to pay down pension and healthcare benefits by 2031, leaving little room for students in a district already struggling against declining enrollment and competition from charter school. But the district officials are hopeful a remedy will come in the form of Measure EE, the 16% per square foot parcel tax on a June 4th ballot that promises to reduce class sizes, retain quality teachers, and provide services and programs to students. This is where it's BS, okay? I'm going to be very frank with all of you here, and I'm sorry if I get too animated because this this is so frustrating. What would Measure EE fund? Measure EE contains no guarantee that the monies raised by the tax increase will be spent as indicated. Everything that they say they're going to do, it's like, well, it's the wishful thinking. How do you know they're going to spend like that? The measure's tax dollars go into a district's general fund to be spent at the board's will. What board? The school board. Measure EE has no cap on administrative expenses and despite district and unions claims to the contrary, has no requirement that the new tax revenue be spent on the children or in the classroom. And here's what's crazy. The district removed language from Measure EE that prohibits money from going towards retiree pension and health care benefits. Look, the teachers went on strike for like seven to nine days earlier this year at LA Unified, Los Angeles Unified School District when Gavin Newsom was sworn in. And uh, it was ended. They, they made an agreement behind closed doors. And apparently this is because of, of, of higher pension and higher health care benefits, what they were demanding. Because that's what they always do. I want more. I want more. I want more. Okay, good for you. You want more. I can't do that to my boss without risk getting fired apparently they they can get away with that they cannot report to work for over a week 
and not teach our kids as they should, as they should be. We have declining schools. We have kids that can pass a grade with a grade of D. And then we say, oh, we our school standards are not as high as the rest of the world. We don't have that smart of children. Well, I wonder why when you prioritize studies that should not be in certain grades over the basic stuff like math, science, history, proper history, and of course, basic English and literature. Why can't we teach our kids how to read? Instead, we're trying to teach them how to be activists. I'm sorry, this really works me up, especially me as a father of two little ones that are going to school and me having to pay for a private school because I cannot trust a public school to provide that quality education because it's hard to find teachers that are qualified. I know teachers um, that uh, that we, we graduated together from the same university. They have great heart and they have a, a great ambition and a love for children and they're giving it their all and they cannot get a good solid job because of tenure for really bad instructors that continuously have bad history, that continuously uh, get in trouble with the law but stay there because of some ridiculous protection and they still get their pension. Would businesses pay for the measure EE or just the homeowners? No, if you own property in the district service area, your taxes will increase if measure EE passes. Businesses, renters, single family homeowners, small business owners, and commercial and industrial properties will all pay higher taxes. What is the Los Angeles Unified uh, uh, School District doing to stabilize school funding and to protect teachers and instructional programs? Nothing. Literally nothing. The district spends more than $7.5 billion annually, yet the district is so badly mismanaged that money hasn't led to any significant improvements in classrooms or test results. I just told you, a D constitutes a passing grade now. What? What? Oh my goodness, the facts don't care about your emotions. Oh, since 2014, the cost of the school district's employee benefits have has increased 44% and its spending on outside consulting services has risen to whopping 110%. Why? Will Measure EE increase taxes for renters? Measure EE will make rental housing even more expensive, troubling when the housing in the service area of the district is already unaffordable by many Angelinos. How is this helping our situation? And hasn't the Los Angeles Unified passed similar funding measures previously? Yes! The LA area residents already pay for school bonds as well as 12% per square foot for other educational purposes. All told, if Measure EE is approved, the Los Angeles taxpayer will uh, will be paying 28 cents per square foot of every property they own. A homeowner with a 3,000 square foot home will be paying more than $840 a year in taxes on top of the property taxes you already pay. <sighs> This is, this is just a ridiculous, ridiculous thing. And it, you got to stop it. You got to vote no on it. If you don't want to keep hearing my rant, then this is where you can stop it. But I'm going to tell you, from 1996 to 2006, these are school bond elections in California, okay? So from for, for a decade, 1996 to 2006, California voters approved about $109 billion in school construction bonds at the state and the local level. In 2016, voters approved Proposition 51, which authorized $9 million in school and college construction bonds that's a lot of money how much of that went over to the los angeles school district they have their own board that supposedly oversees this budget really what are they doing okay proposition bb 
It's a school bond measure that authorized the district to issue $2.4 billion in bonds for the construction of new schools and the repair and the modernization of existing schools through the district to improve local schools and relieve over, uh, like classroom overcrowding. That was April 1997. Measure K, November 2002. A school bond measure that authorized $3.35 billion in bonds for repair and renovations of existing schools and to build neighborhood schools to improve local schools and relieve classroom overcrowding. Measure R issued $3.87 billion to continue repair and upgrade of aging classrooms and build neighborhood schools. It was passed in March 2004. Measure Y, passed in March 2005, issued another $3.985 billion. That was $4 billion, round up. That was November 2005. Measure Q, November 2008, issued $7 billion. And what about the lottery? One, this is a complaint. This is, these are actual facts from the Los Angeles uh, board. Uh, the, the, the school district board, okay, and the, the oversee the, the the budget. This is almost just reading straight up facts that they produced, and they have a little grievance here. What what do we um like? Uh, what what about the the lottery money? The lottery proceeds account for approximately one percent of the district's budget. That's about a hundred million, and are now used for school construction. The lottery money is used for instructional material and student activities. So why is it that every single time they want us to pass more money, they complain that, oh yeah, we have worn out textbooks, we have um, books that are outdated, our classrooms are falling apart. It's like, holy smokes, you got about a, like a fifth of that $109 billion just for one district in the entire state. What did you do with that money? If they can't, they're going to have a shortfall. In 2031, what did you do with that money? Who pocketed that? That is my frustration, ladies and gentlemen, because when they screw up, it's your fault. They never take uh, responsibility for their own things. And that's one of the grievances I have with Business Conductor here in California. And I'm, I'm passing this on to you as knowledge so you're aware of this. That's happening in your backyard and you don't know it. And this is why I didn't talk about the rent control issue in this episode, or else this episode is going to be the longest I've ever done. The month of June, I'm devoting several episodes strictly to the topic of rent control. What is it? What is it intended to do? How did it come to be? And what are the actual effects? Those are all the things I'm going to cover. And it's so important I'm also doing the Spanish version of it. Because a lot of my people are confused by this thing. They think it's a great thing. And it's not. Because they're seeing it play out in their own lives. And I have tenants that live in a rent control area. And it's like, well, is this where you prefer to live? And nobody, this is where I can afford to live. So then why would you support rent control? You know, they always think that these things that are supposed to help the renters are are working for them. And it doesn't. This tax for the school is not going to go for the classrooms. It's not going to go to the students. It's going to go to the pensions. It's going to go to the health care that they want. Do you like being forced into something that you don't want to pay for? That's your life, your choice. But they're not leaving you a choice here. And they get away with this in this district. What is going to happen to the neighboring districts? Every single district is going to want to hold their own bond elections. Because they're going to get you some way or another. Think about that. And I'm sorry for those of you that are teachers in, in the audience that are listening to this. And I came out pretty strong about this. I'm pretty strong about this because of no one has ever taxed itself into prosperity. Never, ever, ever. Show me one country, one place that where, it's, where it's worked. And I'll show you a liar. Oh, and that's where I'll leave it. I could go on and on and on, but I'd rather not uh, for sanity's sake. So I'm going to go cool down and also have lunch because it is lunchtime. And I'm going to go grab my meal prep. 
for those of you that are do, conducting business in LA or uh, live in Los Angeles, whether you're a homeowner or a renter or a business owner of sorts of all kinds, remember, June 4th, special bond election. Vote no on Measure EE. And that does it for this episode of the Andrews to Go to Show. You know how to reach me. And I'll see you on the next episode.